I want to ask you to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 13, to a text that we will be in this Sunday and the next, to a text that is beautiful and yet deeply challenging at the very same time, a text that outside of the gospel, outside of God's power and outside of God's grace, it is completely ridiculous and impossible. A text that will push us into a greater relationship and a greater dependence upon the Lord. And a text that will give us a greater desire and need for community in the church. A proper understanding of this text will also give us greater clarity of what it means to live on mission and make a difference in this world for the glory of Christ and for the good of his people. So if you will join me there, Romans chapter 13, verses eight through 10. Let's read and then we'll pray. The word of God says, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And if there's any other commandment are summed up in this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your beautiful word spoken over us this morning. A word that has the power to transform our hearts. A word that has the power to enable a people to love others as we have been loved even by you. Lord, I pray that today your word and specifically your gospel would empower us, Lord, to forgive those who have hurt us, to have bitterness driven out of our hearts. I pray that this text today would help us to understand how to respond within our own families and where we work. And for those who we've never met, how to respond to our enemies and someone that might come against us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us by the power of your word as we lean on the spirit who is inside us. God, I pray you teach us to love like you love us. We pray in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, as we move into the text, we're we're just gonna kind of walk through fairly slowly. That's why we're taking two weeks. And I was very aware that it was beautiful chaos Sunday and made the decision quickly that we needed to have two weeks instead of one. And so, uh, and, I, and I think we did anyway. But let's just begin by that first phrase there in the text. Romans 
chapter 13, verse eight, the text says, owe no one anything. Oh, no one anything. What, what does this mean? I want you to know this has been taken by some to mean that a Christian should never be financially in debt. That a Christian should never take out loans, should never take out debt. And I, I want to be very clear to you and speak very clearly to you this morning. There is no biblical grounds for this. There's no biblical grounds for that particular thought. There is only scriptures that are taken out of context. Okay, so this text does not mean that you should not have a house payment. Okay, that is not what this means. Though I would say that one of the great concerns for many people in the church and outside the church uh, come directly from unwise and irresponsible financial decisions and debt that we have gotten ourselves into and the consequences of that. And so uh, that is a wonderful subject. There's tons of wisdom to be had when we enter into a budget for our home and our church and uh, the country for that matter. But that's a subject for another day. That's not what Paul's main desire is in this text. Today, what Paul is not doing is giving us a lesson on wise spending on our personal budgets. But instead, what Paul is doing is calling us and putting before us the Christian's obligation to love one another as we have been loved by Christ, as we have been loved by God. And so last week we looked at really our obligations to the government. And just a, a couple of thoughts there. One is this, is if you walked out of here last week thinking that Paul was writing in a good situation, like Paul was writing this text in light of you know, a leader in his country or a government that was doing all things well, I want to remind you that he was under Nero who eventually had him killed. And yet in the very upside down kingdom of God, we're called even in that to submit rightly to the government. The obligation to the government. And in that we saw, look, if you owe taxes, what do you need to do church? You need to pay them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. I, I love the scripture that Keith referenced last week when Jesus has someone coming up to him trying to juke him. You know, you know like what that is? Like when you, when you try to juke somebody, that's what they're trying to do. But Jesus is gonna, Jesus juke them, okay? So it works out great. But they come to Jesus and they, they ask him this question about the government and obligations to pay taxes. And Jesus said, and Keith quoted it last week, he, he's, he got out, he said, hey, does anybody have a Daenerys? Does anybody have a coin? They said, yeah, we got one right here. We've got a coin. He goes, okay, I want you to look at that coin. Whose likeness and inscription? Whose image is on that? Caesar? He says, okay, well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's and said that they all marveled. Why? Because what Jesus was saying was something that we have to take with us into the text today. And it was this idea of this. Whose image was on the coin? Caesar. He's flipping it on them. 
whose image and inscription is on you. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. Do you see that? That's Je- Jesus is amazing in the way that he speaks to people. Like he, he's able to do that. And, and you may not have even caught that when you were reading it, but what, what a beautiful picture. And today when we look at this, man, we're saying, okay, if you owe taxes, church, pay them. It's wrong for you not to. You know when they're due. You got accountants in the room if you need to ask somebody, okay? Like, like they're due. If you owe revenue, what, what do you need to do? You need to pay it. If you have a power bill, man, pay it on time. Pay it in the right way. Here's what Paul is ultimately saying. Stay true and trustworthy to your word on what you borrow or what you owe. That's what he means when he says, owe no one anything. I don't have an outstanding debt that you're supposed to pay that you're not paying. But that's not really the main point of the text. He says, owe no one anything anything except to love one another. Paul says that there is a debt that will never have a balance of zero. There is a bill that will constantly come in the mail. And it's a debt or an obligation that we have to love one another. We are indebted to love our neighbor as ourselves and as Christ has loved us. I wanna give you several questions that we're gonna need to answer and we'll answer them the best we can today. And then we'll be looking at these again next week. But the questions go something like this. And if you have your worship guide, go ahead and open it up. And maybe write down or jot down these questions. This is not something that I can just tell you and like you get a phrase and then like you're, you know, fixed the rest of your life, okay, on how to, on how to just love people perfectly, okay? It's not gonna work like that. This is a constant every day, every hour, all the time need that we have to be shepherded by Jesus. And I believe there's a need for us to be shepherded by Keith and I as well as we are shepherded by Jesus on what this means and how we do it. So here's several questions. One is this, how can we be in debt or how can we owe others love? And maybe the question of, is it even like love if it's a debt? I mean, like if you told me like, you know, like there's a debt that you have to love Catherine, like you owe her, so love her. Yeah, that's kind of how like, sometimes I think we think about like debt or something like this. Uh, You know, Keith took me out to lunch, so I owe him lunch. They gave our kid a present at their birthday party. We owe it to them to get their kid a birthday. We, We have a debt there. That's not what we're talking about. There's something way greater than this that we're talking about. But the question is, how is it that we can possibly be indebted to love other people? And how can we be indebted to love our neighbor, which we're going to find out means anyone and everyone? How can that be? Second question is this, who, who counts? Like, who does this refer to? Who is the one another? Who is my neighbor? And I I just told you anyone and everyone, we're going to see that in just a moment. Well, once we've gotten that, we've got to ask the question, what does God's love look like? What does it look like lived out? 
How can we even think about how to love someone? What might that look like? And then the last question is, how can I even begin to live out such a seemingly impossible calling to love others as I love myself and as God loved me? How? How can this happen? How can I even get any wisdom on how to move forward from this sermon? That's what we're gonna look at those questions over the next couple of weeks. So I'm gonna give you a phrase. It's not in your worship guide, but it is gonna be on the screen, but it's a phrase that will help us to think through and, and you'll hear it now and then you'll need to review it later and you'll need to think on it often, but it goes something like this. And Joseph, if you can put up the phrase for me, it's this, receiving and resting in God's love for us. And if you wanna put some little parentheses there and say, namely the gospel of Jesus, okay? So resting or receiving and resting in God's love for us, the gospel will give us the spirit-empowered ability to love others as we have been loved in Christ. I encourage you to write that down and think on that. Receiving and resting in God's love for us will give us the spirit-empowered ability to love others as we have been loved in Christ. And so let's first consider God's love freely given to us. I want to speak over you God's love freely given to us that when we talk about that, that all of us by God's grace, if we, if we hear it rightly, we'll receive and rest in this truth. Uh, we can't begin to consider a life of loving other people outside of us being able to receive and rest in God's love for us. It's that love that is an overflow that will extend to anyone and everyone around us. This morning, may you hear and see and experience and be transformed by the freeing, the life-giving, grace-abounding power of the gospel of Jesus, of God's love spoken over you in Christ. I'd ask you the question, do you know the freedom of being loved freely? Have you experienced the freedom of God of just being loved freely with no strings attached? Do you know the confidence that comes from just being his? Listen, church in Christ, as we have received, we are to rest in the truth that we're loved by God. God loves us. He's for us. And we are his. When we talk about loving one another, when we talk about loving people next to us in the room, people in our families, and certainly when we talk about loving people just in the world, we cannot do that driven by guilt. We cannot obey this text. We can't walk in this text. We can't live in the freedom of this text if we are driven by guilt 
We need to be driven by God's love and God's grace and the beauty of the truth that we are his children, that we're the bride of Christ. I want to be very clear with you. Your sin, it is far worse, far worse than you think it is. Like your sin and my sin, it's far worse than we think it is. But I want you to know that we are more freely loved by God than we can fathom to think. We're worse than we think we are, but his grace is far deeper. His love is far greater. I want you to know that God... Church, he knows everything that's unlikable about you. I mean, he does. He knows everything that's unlikable about us. And yet he loves us with no strings attached. He loves us no matter what. We're his. Several texts for us to consider as we desire to receive and rest in. These are several passages that, that you must receive. Take it in today. Have it spoken over you. Allow the Lord just to make this be your testimony. Like this can be you. Turn with me to Romans chapter five. Romans five. We're gonna read verse six through 11. This is the love of God. And it's a love that we, we don't deserve. We, we can never earn it. Yet he gives it to us freely and fully with no strings attached. Here it is, verse six. It says, for while we were still weak or while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. There it is. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I want you to know that for I have a deep conviction that for many people in the church and specifically the Baptist church, I believe that your testimony doesn't get much further than your knowledge of your own sin. When you think of Christianity and when you think of the gospel, when you think of preaching, when you think of God's word, your go-to, your default is how bad you are. And I just told you, your sin's way worse than you think it is. But your life, maybe you grew up and, and, and maybe your knowledge, maybe your struggle to grow in Christ is because you have a hard time looking past how sinful and wretched and awful you are. And I want you to know, it is very true. We cannot appreciate grace. We can't appreciate good news unless we know this bad news. 
But if you are in Christ, my friend, your primary joy does not come from the fact that you used to be an enemy, but from the joy that comes from that you are now a child of God and he loves you and you're his and you're reconciled. You're adopted into the family of God. Christian, if you're in Christ, stop only thinking about how evil you are. Start dwelling on the truth that you're loved and that you're his and there's grace and nothing can separate you from his love. thinking about Ephesians chapter two and the, and the truth there, man, that we were, we were dead. We used to be with Satan. We followed him. That's what the text says, that we were even children of wrath. But listen, Christian, there's mercy that has come. There's mercy that's come in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians two tells us that for by grace, you've been saved through faith. That no one may boast. Listen to me. If strings are attached to God's love, then grace is not grace. Verse 12 of chapter 2 goes like this of Ephesians. Paul says, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, that you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants. Yes, we used to be. Now, church, our testimony is this. We had no hope and we were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Like you're here, you're with him. He's with you and nothing can separate us from his love. Romans chapter eight, verse 31. What then shall separate us? I mean, what? That's not what it says at all. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? For it's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It's Christ Jesus. He's the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And church, hear it and believe it and rest in it. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But Paul says, no, it's in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else, period, nothing else will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe that, and only when you believe that, will you be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And as Christ has loved you. Church, if we miss who we are in Christ, we we miss it all. 
hear it over you. If I shepherd you in any way in my time, if I lay down my life in any way, let it be in telling you who you are in Christ. Because if you miss it, you miss it all. Okay? And I fear that some of you grew up and you didn't hear it spoken over your life. When I look at my sweet little babies, I got several of them in the room right now, but I got four at home and one with the Lord. And when I hold my kids, I don't, I don't want them to sit in my lap and tell me how bad they are. You're right. <laughs> but what I want is this. It's for them to just sit and allow me to love them. All right. So listen, church, God delights in us. He loves us. Paul prayed that the church would be able to grow deeply in this love. Ephesians chapter three, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, receive and rest in God's love for you this morning. God loves us and he desires us. He even delights in us. Don't miss his heart. Don't miss God's heart. He loves you. And we see that in the clearest expression as Jesus Christ dies on the cross in our place. God loves you. Now, from that, we look at our text again. We see that Paul says, owe no one anything except for this, to love one another. For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now, we, we don't have even close to time to dive into the law currently. We'll save that for next week. All I want us to do today is this, is to ask the question. First, we said, look, how is it possible for us to owe other people love? I want you to know it's, it's not because they have done something to deserve it. It's not something that they're worthy of. It's, it's not that, you know, that you even just ought to. It's, it's not even like that. We owe others love and it comes and flows directly from the love that we have been given in Christ Jesus. So like we sang that song a minute ago, all to, uh, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. 
Okay, so in a, we, we owe him everything, but can I ask you a question? Can you pay God back? In fact, is it not anti-gospel to try to pay him back? Okay, so what do we owe him? Well, we say we render, you know, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, render to God the things that are God's. When we give our life to the Lord, this is what he calls us to. Love me with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. We are as a Christian in the upside down kingdom that Christianity brings into this world. We are to love people because God loves us. We're to be for people because God is for them. It has nothing to do with strings attached. We love freely because we have been loved freely. So who do we love? Love one another. Some would say, well, that that means we love people in the church. Amen? We sure do. We are to love one another in the body of Christ. Absolutely. But is that solely what he's talking about here? No. No. He says, we are to love one another. And then he uses the language. What what does he say? He says, for the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled his law. And I I don't have to tell you what the story of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us. It teaches us this, is that our neighbor is literally anyone and everyone. So we're not just to love uh, freely, God's people, but we're to love freely all people because we have been loved freely by God. Yep, now here's all the questions. All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter five says this. Jesus in verse 43 says, for you've heard that it was said. You've heard people teach, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So you should love the ones that are close to you. You should love those in your church. You should love those in your neighborhood. You should do that. Love those in your family and hate your enemies. They would have thought that Leviticus 19 verse 18, which is where we get love your neighbor. uh, They would think that's what that meant. Love those who love you back. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? He says, do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? Like they love their mamas and their kids too. You get it? Like if you greet only your brothers, he says, what more are you doing than others? He says, do not even the Gentiles do the same thing. And he's saying those outside of the, you know, the household of God, like they do the same thing. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Church, you need to hear like this call that we have before us today to love your neighbor as yourself is a calling that's not even possible for us to accomplish. And we've already failed at it miserably in our lives. But Jesus Christ perfectly walked it out. We're to not just love those who love us back, but to love all people, anyone and everyone with God's love. 
So neighbor doesn't equal those like you or those who love you back, but neighbor equals anyone and everyone, even enemies. The Samaritan who owed nothing to the man on the side of the road stopped and was the example of this for us. He didn't know him and would have at least in the culture had a divide between Samaritans and Jews and honestly a hatred. But yet he stopped and he loved him. So we know who we are to love, anyone and everyone. But how? What does it look like to love my neighbor? What would that look like? And we're gonna give a very quick answer today and and then we'll pick back up next week. But it goes like this, how am I to love others? And what does the text here say? The text says that, it says, for the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And if there's any other commandment are summed up in this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love people as you love yourself. And there's all kinds of questions you could have with this. And I invite you to email me, text me, come find me, do whatever, ask questions. You've got a couple weeks as we're dealing with this passage. But in general, when, I, when we say love others as you love yourself, I mean, think about basic needs. Think about your life. Like, do you let yourself be thirsty? Do you let yourself be hungry? Do you let yourself go without clothes? Do you let yourself, uh, you know, be alone? Do you let yourself, I mean, just ask all these questions. Uh, it makes sense. Like Jesus in Matthew 25, he's talking about the life and judgment. And he says, look, this person's going to say, man, when, when I was thirsty, I mean, Jesus says, when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. Uh, th- that's the kind of needs that are before us in the body and outside. And we are to love people as we love ourselves. All right, there's a kind of a, I call it a Jesus juke again. Like there's, there's another way Jesus one-ups this. He clarifies even a greater meaning to it. And he says that we are to love one another just as I have loved you. So not only are we going to love one another as we would love our as we love ourselves, but also love the people around you, love those in the church and love those outside the church, just as Christ has loved us. Now, Christ gave his life for us. He loved us perfectly. So how how do we do that? So we know why we're in debt to love others. We know who we're indebted to and it's anybody and everyone. We know the measuring stick. It's love as you love yourself and love as Christ has loved you. But now we must ask like, how can that happen? And church, this is where we conclude our time today and I pastor you into a response. I tried to think about this like all week, really for the last two weeks and just dwell on this, even just the reality of loving my neighbor as myself. And I I started thinking through this and 
was completely crushed by the thought. I, I mean, if it's anyone and everyone, does that mean every person I pass on the street? Every person that's got a sign that says they need food? Because I wouldn't let myself be hungry. I wouldn't let my kids be hungry. I, I wouldn't let them be on the street begging. So does that mean I should stop and meet every single need? I mean, when I just look out in the world, it is completely crushing the burdens that one would have to bear to even begin to love everyone, anyone and everyone in that way. For many of you, you didn't even think that direction yet. You just started going on your fingers and you started thinking about, it, it's so hard to just freely love my family. They criticize me every time they're around me. They are uh, seemingly against me. They judge me. They do this. It's really difficult. You don't know what it's like, Pastor Colby, to have a spouse that's abused you. You don't know what it's like to be afraid of someone in your home. You don't know what it's like to have been taken advantage of and to be hurt. How am I supposed to love them? Much less worry about people I've never met. Church, I want to read for you again our initial line. Receiving and resting in God's love for us will give us the spirit-empowered ability to love others as we have been loved in Christ. I want you to know, church, that the only way that we can begin to respond rightly is by understanding God has placed his own presence within us, the Holy Spirit of God, to not only empower us and, and typically empowering us by pointing our hearts to the gospel, reminding us of who Christ is and what he's done. But not only does he empower us, but the Holy Spirit can bring wisdom Wisdom that we don't talk about near enough, but wisdom on how to, you know, when to stop, how to pursue, uh, you know, a, a family member, a parent, a, a spouse, someone that's hurt you, someone who's against you, someone you just met. The Holy Spirit of God, we have to trust him to lead and guide us. And, and Christians, we need community. We need one another to help encourage and spur on and pray over and love and help guide and direct, help at times protect you. Some of you are in situations, it's possible that to, to love doesn't mean to go into the house. It might mean to come and stay with a family for a couple of days. It might mean for justice to be served. God cares more about injustice than you do. And when he calls us to love, he knows what he's calling us to. He wants us to and desires us and calls us to love others as we have been loved by him. 
as we sing in Christ alone and Jared and Kimber, y'all go ahead and come up. I, I wanna invite you to respond today. And, and one, one way is this, it's a way that we probably should call you to more. One is come if you haven't received Jesus. Like come and, and let us pray with you. Let us walk you through what that looks like to receive and rest in the good news of the God, the good news of Jesus, the gospel. Because until we do that, we can't possibly love others as he's loved us. And a second call is this, listen, come and, and, and ask for prayer. Come and pray at the altar because I guarantee you there's many, if not all of us in this room that need to become more dependent upon the Lord to empower us to love and to find the grace that we need to love and to get the wisdom that we need to love people in our lives as ourself and as he's loved us. Come and ask for prayer. If we, if we don't respond rightly to this, we, we honestly miss, we miss the entire call of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would lead and guide.